0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we want to give you an international adoption update. Obviously, we have been living through a global pandemic which has not just affected our own country but has affected the entire world and when anything like that affects the entire world it also affects greatly international adoption and i remember early in 2020 uh, when i was first contacted by an infectious disease doctor who asked me if i had heard about this coronavirus that was happening and spreading throughout china And I told him I I really hadn't heard that much about it. And he said, well, if I were you, I would not send any families anywhere near Wuhan, China. And who would have thought that that call on January 18th, 2020 would have us here some year and a half, year later with so many different shared experiences, so many different hardships we've walked through. And we certainly know that one of those that have been affected are vulnerable children and orphans. And so today we are joined by Jana Lombardo, who is our senior program director on our international program team, and Carla Thrasher, who is our international adoption director. And we are so grateful because both of these ladies bring so much rich experience, both to Lifeline, to adoption, Uh, both are TBIR practitioners and just have so much of a wealth of of knowledge that they bring to the table. Jana has been at Lifeline since 1992 and has legitimately served in just about every role uh, throughout the ministry. And Carla has been here since uh, 2002 or 2001, and she has served uh, in many different capacities as well. And so I know that, that you're gonna be blessed to be able to hear from both of these ladies and that from their experience, but also for us to know where is international adoption? what is What have we seen during a pandemic and what are we looking forward to uh, as this pandemic, Lord willing, comes to an end in the near future. But before we get to hear from these ladies and we bring in Dr. Rick, uh, I wanna remind you about Bridge Educational Services as we approach and are in the midst of the start of another school year, we wanna remind you about Bridge Educational Services. It's created to walk alongside parents as you, the parent, help your children from a hard place meet educational potential. There's cognitive development evaluations, personalized educational support in office or online support that's built for your child and would be a support to you. Whether your child is homeschooled, doing online learning or learning in a classroom setting, Bridge Educational Services could be exactly what your child needs in order to get the personalized attention they need to meet their educational goals. So you can always look in show notes to get a link to Bridge Educational Services. And you can always go to lifelinechild.org and look for Bridge Educational Services in that little magnifying glass at the top. And as you may notice, as you go to LifelineChild.org, we have revamped our website, and those resources are even easier to find, and they're even more uh, readily available for you to be able to really look in and get those questions answered. Well, Dr. Rick, I know that you and Denise grew your family through international adoption, and so you're not just uh, a kin and uh, a person who celebrates the joy of international adoption uh, from a, from a practitioner standpoint or from a theologian, but you're also someone who has walked through this process. And, and this process has certainly been different and arduous over the past year and a half. Uh, I would just love to, from your vantage point, what have you seen and what are the feelings that you've had during this global pandemic?
1: Yeah, Herbie. I, I think first of all, I I just want to say how excited I am about having Carl and Jana on the podcast um, because truly, um, not only are they dear friends, but um, it's it's people like Carl and Jana that are a great part of the reason that our family is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, I think one of the one of the privileges that we get every day here at Lifeline is to work with a team of social workers that are, um, you know, well trained and incredibly competent in what they do, but are are just people that love Jesus, um, and, and really, you know, put the gospel first. And so it's, it's been exciting thinking about coming and, you know, and having this conversation and, and being able to do this in front of, uh, in front of an audience, I guess, because we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Um, and I think, you know, we, we just realized over the course of the pandemic that, I mean, personally, all of us know that life has gotten harder and more complex and, you know, things are, things are more challenging. I think we've been aware through this of, um, you know, of, of some of our kids' extended family and people that are, you know, that are in difficulty and, and are suffering because, because things around the globe are, um, are hard. And, and in some cases, they're harder than they are here for us in, you know, lack of resources and lack of information and, and all kinds of things. And, and so I think we, you know, there, there is, as we talk about a global pandemic, Um, many times we have a very, we have a very local understanding of a global pandemic and we, we look at it in terms of, you know, of, of us and, and kind of looking at the immediacy. And, and so I'm really great, grateful that we have the opportunity to have this conversation and, you know, bring a little bit of perspective to the things that are going on around the world. And, uh, and so Carla, I'll, I'll just kind of bring you into the conversation first and, and, um, you know, at the height of the pandemic, right? Like if we go back, um, eight, 10 months ago when we were in the throes of of kind of what we saw as the worst of it at that point. Um, what was international adoption like at the point of when when things were kind of closed down and the world was sort of shuttered and, and waiting? What was it like in international adoption? What was it like for international adoptive families?
2: That's a great question, Rick. Um, wow. Wow. Going back, you know, eight to 10 months, it was definitely a very unique time here at Lifeline. It was the first time ever, you know, that we that we had that we experienced all of our programs being shut down to adoptive families travel at the same time. So definitely unprecedented. Um, You know, we just we just kind of watched it happen. It was it was very surreal. Um, At the same time, to put, you know, the positive on it, it really gave our team a chance to kind of sit back and walk out our mission and our vision. And we truly were able to focus on being the hands and feet of Jesus in those countries that we serve. Um, And I loved watching our families follow that lead. And we, you know, did a lot of humanitarian type Service. We provided um, masks and formula and air purifiers to the countries that we serve. Um, we prayed for our teams in country on the ground. We prayed for waiting children. We prayed for waiting families, you know, and just really were able to turn our focus there. Um, it was a neat time, too, for our team to actually walk out all the things we share with families all the time about trust and faith and, um, you know, relying on the Lord and relying on his provision. We actually had to look at ourselves, you know, with those same words of advice and um but it really gave us an opportunity to serve families in a different way it wasn't just about paperwork it wasn't just about deadlines and government approvals it was truly about pointing them to the lord during that during the heightened time of the of the pandemic
1: that's awesome and i think also you know one of the opportunities that that you have talked about, and I know we've talked about some, is is the the opportunity that it opened for some of our teams in country to really be able to to meet needs within their country, and and has opened some doors to the gospel, and and really kind of given access in ways that you know that we might not have um, might not have ever thought. I love I love for you just to you know if you can one of you tell tell a quick story about um, how we've seen the Lord, you know, provide opportunities even in the midst of difficulty.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Rick. I'll, I'll jump in uh, right here. You know, what I really saw, and Carla alluded to this, just with our teams on the ground, it really opened the door for us to have a lot of communication with them. You know, they were walking through being quarantined at home and it's interesting with different cultures that we work in, how they interpreted COVID Mm -hmm. and, and how it affected them. And some were more scared than others. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me is that you know, we were able just to constantly check in on them and their passion was just as great for wanting these children to be with their families and wanting our families to come to country. And they were checking in on things as much as we would ask them to. And, and their heart's desire was to continue adoption as well, even with those doors shut down. But I think the ultimate, the ultimate, uh, one of the ultimate things that I was able to see and just know about is one of our teammates on the ground in one of our countries came to know Jesus, um, (laughs) and how the Lord worked in his heart and in his life and with him being able to even express that to us, his, his family here, uh, in the States, uh, and us celebrate that with him. I, you know, if anything about COVID that was totally worth it, uh, totally worth it for, for him to turn his heart, you know, towards, towards the Lord. And I, um, and just thankful to have have seen that and have been a part of that. But just being able to have that communication and that passion with all of our countries and all of our teams on the ground and them reaching out for needs and prayer requests and us reaching out to them. Um, it bonded us, you know, it really bonded us even more closely with our with our teammates on the ground, I think. Yeah. It was a
2: great time, I think, for them. For everything else being stripped away, just being able to focus on them. And I know I have one teammate in a country, um, she's not a believer, but she truly was fearful, like Jana said, you know, in her apartment 24-7, not knowing what the future holds. Um, and I, we would just, we would read a psalm together every night, you know, over WeChat audio, you know, just something very simple like that. But it really felt like we're doing what what we're called to do, and it really just put the focus there that everything else is really kind of secondary to sharing the gospel every day.
1: I think one of the cool things that we've gotten a chance to see from from our international team is is really just that that utility of using like using the moment, kind of capturing, having a gospel purpose, and 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 really focusing on that and. But but realizing that, um, like, we have to be flexible, we have to we have to we have to do what's appropriate in the moment. Um, and, and part of that also is the way you guys have have really, um, you know, risen up to support waiting families. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, like, what are some of the ways that, you know, entrepreneurially that our team just kind of came together and said, hey, let's let's stretch out and and care for waiting families well.
2: Yeah, I we, we, Jan and I can share this one because we really partnered on this um, for our, our, all of our countries, all of our programs. Um, but one thing we, we jumped in with real quickly was just communication. Um, we felt it was really important to try to get out ahead of, of communication and just letting them know, even though we weren't able to you know, push paperwork or families travel, we were still here. Um, and we were out in front of them trying to get information. We had monthly or, or actually weekly, even Zoom meetings initially, um, where we were sharing what we knew, whether it be kind of the logistical information, encouraging them in the Lord, you know, having prayer times. Um, and we did it kind of international ministry wide. So there, we weren't even really divided by countries. It was everybody mm-hmm. at one time. And it was just the best feeling to all be together. Um, there were lots of tears. You know, people were fearful. Mm-hmm. We didn't know, you know, what was happening and just the concern that everybody has, you know, for the children that we serve. Um, but I really enjoyed being able to support them in that way.
3: We really are our nights of prayer and encouragement. Mm-hmm. And when Carla said we were all together, it just, makes you have a very vivid picture of what heaven is going to be like with all of us together, knowing that the children from all of these different countries are going to, you know, the gospel is going to be shared with these children once they get home. And then that's what heaven is going to be like. And we didn't know each other. we Those families didn't know each other, but feeling the freedom and the bonds of, of Jesus that connect us so so we can have that, you know, vivid picture. So that was one of my mm-hmm really special, really special times, I I think, for all of us, and even for our staff, you know, to be able to be part of that.
2: Yeah, and I'll say, too, our international, our international team has been incredible um, throughout the last 18 months. They have been available to be on the phones with families, you know, night or day, whenever those critical times hit, where they're just discouraged, or have so many doubts, or wonder, are we going to see ever see our child ever meet our child are we ever going to be able to get on a plane Um, and these women have just been stellar they have been rocks for these families and it's been neat to see them take that role and just be able to be to be that support to them and I think lastly one way we've been able to support families is just really keeping in touch with our Department of State, our central authorities, you know, on the ground in the countries that we serve, the Office of Children's Issues, you know, all of those just very critical entities, and just really keeping our families on their radar, letting them know, these are the questions we need answered today. This is what we need to know. Or even kind of the more, um, you know, dramatic or emotional, you guys have got to help us get these families to these children. I mean, there are children waiting for their families and we want to know what you're going to do. I and mean, when we kind of laugh now, they know us well enough to know, you know, we're it's, it's always with a kind heart behind it, but, but we were serious in our advocation, you know, for the children that we serve.
0: Yeah. And I know, even though this has been a, a tough time, I mean, you, you guys have both said this, so eloquently already, but we've really seen the Lord's hand at work, even amidst just some some really difficult, challenging, uh, sad times as well. What What are some specific stories that come to mind of how the Lord has worked in the lives of children and families?
3: Ahead, wow. So, I think I can speak back to after kind of the height of the pandemic, where everything was shut down and countries. Um, in Eastern Europe began to open up again a little bit again for travel. Um, really coming alongside those first two or three families that were were in country where they had to quarantine in a hotel room for 14 days and 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 have food delivered to them, uh, getting the the text messages daily from one of them daily workout and the daily games that they played, but finally just the the release when they got out of quarantine and being able to walk on the streets of that country and knowing the next day they were going to get their children. I think that it just continued to have just the the solidifying fact that they were in it for these children and what's in the best interest of these children and, and the Lord sustained them. They would share scripture verses with us. We would share scripture verses with them. We would encourage each other even in those days that it was frustrating, am I going to get to go? Am I going to get to go? What paperwork do I have to do now? And the masses of amounts of additional paperwork that were needed, you know, during those first, first travel days. I do think that, um, you know, we saw a large sibling group come home during those early days and wow, what a huge blessing that their family was finally with them. They'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and those kids were so happy that 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 they were finally there to get them and then some of our you know significantly special needs kids were finally reunited with their families and those kids have been home now right at about a year um, and have grown so much during that last year so those are some some significant details that I just specifically remember that that meant a lot to me yeah
2: we have one too in one of our Asian countries um, as you guys know, one thing we really celebrate here at Lifeline is when our older children ha- are able to have families. And in this specific case, it was a, a young girl that was going to age out of just even being able to be adopted and have a family. And this was early on. And we started kind of watching the days and watching what was happening around the world. And we quickly quickly realized it, it didn't look like we were going to make it. It didn't look like she was going to be able we we would be able to get her family there where she would be able to to be adopted. And we just started praying. Like we prayed for people's hearts to be impacted, the decision makers to to give us green lights, you know, for each step of the process. Um, And it was great to see everybody working together. We had a central authority working with the embassy, working with the Department of State here and immigration here. And it just, you know, we were able to see that adoption be finalized which is unprecedented um, the way it happened and the way it was allowed to happen. Um, We're still waiting for her family to be able to go and meet her. But as far as all the paperwork and everything, we were able to get that completed um, before um, it was too late for her to have the chance of having a family.
3: I was really impressed too with the way that our countries and the central authorities and the embassies, Mm -hmm. they thought outside the box Mm -hmm. to allow families to continue this process and i'm very thankful for that there would be a lot of children not home yet had they not done that and it was a great just effort of community working together to to make that happen mm-hmm.
0: and and i know that not only have we seen those things happen but but we still see a lot of opportunities for continued involvement in international adoption even during a global pandemic people may think that the whole thing is just shut down but not only have families been able to travel kids have been able to come home but there's still a lot of, there's actually a lot more need now and there's it's a great time to get involved and to start a process so what would you want people to know just about the climate of of international adoption
2: i love that you asked that because it's something that jana and i say every time we get a chance but one is, as Herbie said, the need is great. And just because we've experienced a pandemic and other things have stopped in our lives, that the need for children to have families has has only increased all over the world. And I think, too, it's important for people to know, even though international travel has been impacted, the programs are still open and for the most part moving. Um, I think that's important to know that, you know, that, that yeah. those
3: kids are still waiting. Yeah. And we are seeing, we're seeing referrals weekly mm-hmm. from all of our different countries coming through and this child is available and this child has a need and it just runs the spectrum of age ranges, gender, sibling groups, and special needs. And these children need moms and dads need the chance for a forever family, uh, that's going to love them and, and teach them about Jesus. And, um, it's, it's something that, just as near and dear to our hearts and and gets at our hearts daily the advocacy that we just want to continue to push and children that are aging out and older teenage boys that really need a a dad you know it's I I might start crying when I talk about that but I do because that's been on my heart a lot lately with some of our older teenage boys especially but I do think that the need is great and we need families we need you to be to to listen to what God is calling you to do and, and being part of how you're gonna care for for vulnerable children and whatever capacity you know that looks like.
2: And it was interesting, you know, to watch the body of Christ, you know, come alongside us um, during the pandemic and just the financial blessings that we received that we were able to turn around and help families that have a heart for adoption and maybe have a financial need. And I'd encourage you if you're listening today, Don't let that stand in your way. Don't let that be a reason that you don't move forward. At least call and let us talk you through what financial resources look like. Um, It is one of the top reasons that we hear families not moving forward. And we just want you guys to know there are so many people that will partner with you um, in that area. And it shouldn't be a reason um, that a child doesn't have a family.
0: We see this need for folks to continue to engage and get involved in international adoption, but just really even in the international adoption space or around Lifeline, what are some other exciting things that you see happening right now?
3: Yeah, so one of the one of the exciting things that that we're working on uh, at Lifeline is, is some hosting opportunities with a couple of our countries uh, that we're working with and being able to uh, bring children to the states for a period of time for um, a hosting experience and when I say that, that's so rooted in, and grounded in the gospel of, of how Lifeline wants to come alongside these, these hosting opportunities and being able to teach uh, the kiddos about Jesus and about what Christ has done for them. And so those are some exciting things that are going to be happening in the days to come. Thankful for new relationships and partnerships with believers uh in the states and even on the ground in Ukraine and in Colombia and, mm-hmm. and in some of our other countries as well. So so truly thankful for those opportunities.
2: I think too just Lifeline ministry wise, y'all, our post services, we have come so far in the last year, 18 months. And, you know, once we get through the process and you've traveled and met and brought your child home, we oftentimes say the real journey starts. And we've been so proud of just our post department and just how um, we're thinking outside the box. And we're really thinking, what do families need? You know, what do, what do the kids need, you know, once they're home and we're trying to navigate siblings and school and, you know, new communities, new cultures. And um, I'm just grateful for the, the things that we're able to offer and how we truly are seeing it make a difference and just impact the lives of the kids that we're placing in families.
0: Well, friends, I know that there's so much we could say and, and obviously so many ways that folks could get engaged. But I think One, how can folks get in contact with our international adoption services? And what's kind of that next step to know, what do I need to do? Uh, How can I gather more information? What would you tell people?
3: Well, I'm a firm believer in just picking up the phone and giving us a call and, uh, you know, we will definitely get, get back with you and get in touch with you. You'll be connected with someone that can do a great inquiry call with you. Uh, you'll be connected directly with that particular country if that's what, what the Lord is leading you to do. So let's talk, let's have a, let's have a phone call. Let's set up a zoom call. We're, we're expert now at (laughs) zoom calls. So we love that. Love to see your faces and get to know you. Um, and, and that's one of the, just the first steps, you know, to do is just to pick up the phone and call, call lifeline, uh, your first point of contact, you can ask to speak to Reagan. She's, she'll be the one that to take you through that, that initial call and get you connected with the person that, uh, you would need to need to talk to.
2: Yeah. And there's opportunities for everybody. Even if you don't feel specifically called to adopt yourself, there are so many ways that you can partner and support families, that, that are called to bring a child into their home. Um, we have, you know, financial resources that you could be a part of um, volunteering here just for events or, you know, just things around here that we always need volunteers for. If you'll just pray for us, pray for our team here at Lifeline, pray specifically for, for, for families, for applications that, that mean kids are coming home to families. Um, that would just mean a lot to us too, just that you guys are praying for us.
0: This is a fantastic team. And Dr. Rick, I know you appreciate this team. And certainly I appreciate this team. Great leadership in the way that we've seen them navigate through some very difficult times. And I would just encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get engaged in any way through our International Adoption Ministries or get engaged with Lifeline through prayer, as Carla has said, by support through hosting, as Jana has said, or many, any other ways. Or if you know another family that's been praying. Dr. Rick, I know that you and Denise grew your family through international adoption, and so you're not just uh, a Ken, and uh, a person who celebrates. Well, Dr. Rick, I know that you and Denise grew your family through international adoption, and so you're not just uh, a Ken and uh, a person who celebrates the joy of international adoption, uh, from a, from a practitioner standpoint or from a theologian, but you're also someone who has walked through this process and, and this process has certainly been different and arduous over the past year and a half. Uh, I just love to.